We start breaking down week eight in the NFL. It's the Bears and Cowboys in Dallas Sunday at noon. Good evening, everybody. We talk about it right here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Happy Friday with my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer from News Radio 1059 WBBM. The Super Bowl winning Bear going down to Dallas. I know you got fond memories of Dallas <laughs> over the course of your career. Give me one that really sticks out. Really, one is the point of emphasis that Mike Dicka made about the respect he had for Tom Landry. That was a coach a couple decades ago. However, he said that everything from the way we stood for the national anthem to the effort that we gave in the game, he wanted us to pay attention to details. That 85 year, we went there for the third free third preseason game, I think it was, and it broke out into such a massive fight that guys were ejected by the third play of the game. But then we went down there during the regular season and we beat them 44 to nothing. And it was a humiliating loss for Dallas. And I think personally, Dicka felt a little um, empathy for Tom Landry because he was his mentor along with George Hallis and, um, but, you know, all due respect for the Dallas Cowboys at that time, I want the Bears to go down and have the same performance that we did and surprised a lot of people. Yeah, we're ho- I was hoping you were going to say that game because I do recall it. It was uh, November 17th of 85, and you guys went to 11-0. You clinched the NFC Central. That's what it was called back then. And uh, the Bears snapped a six-game losing streak against uh, – Mr. Landry and the Cowboys. So I think that probably was as important a win as any for you guys to propel yourselves to a championship. In, in so many ways, going into that environment with the old Dallas Cowboys stadium that still had tons of respect around the league, the type of atmosphere that the Dallas Cowboys, Tony Dorsett, and that whole crew put on the field week in and week out. But as a offensive line and the way we ran the ball for Walter Payton and the way the defense took care of – their end of the their end of the bargain and the way they what they did to quarterbacks it was a great plane ride home I will tell you that I hope the Bears could have one as well coming up at the show rookie cornerback Kyler Gordon joins us for a couple of segments we want to thank our producers Dan Barilli and Jordan Trudup and the folks here at the score all right so Matt Eberflus kind of set the tone for the week a couple of days ago when he got to the podium and uh, how to deal with losing is one thing and they did overcome a three-game losing streak by beating the Patriots on Monday night, but on a short week now, forget about that. And now how to deal with success. You know, when you have success, you know, you have to handle that a certain way. You know, when you have adversity, you have to handle that a certain way. And I think when you become a mature competitor, you have the ability to handle them almost one and the same. Um, so certainly when you win, you know, there's all this other stuff going on, but there's distractions in that when you win. There's a, lo- there's a lot of uh, so-called hype for you know a victory or two victories or three victories, wherever that might be, when you're in the middle of a season, I think that you have to keep everything in perspective. How do you feel about that statement right there? I mean, it's a f- super young team. They're probably giddy as heck about winning uh, in New England to beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, but I, I, I see what he's doing. I see he's trying to just stay level-headed, keep everybody level-headed. You know, it's kind of funny because the phraseology is different from Matt Eberflus, from Mike Ditka. But the message is the same. Make sure you're aware of all the compliments you're getting after a big win like last Monday night because the same people that are complimenting you to your face, they want to stab you in the back when things go wrong. So I just think it's same message, 
different time and era how it's delivered. How did you view how they played after watching it over and over again, the tape, and uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball? We're going to give uh, props to the defense as well because their second-half performances are stacking now. We've got eight examples of some really good defense. You take away that Minnesota final drive, uh, they, they haven't given up many points, and that is critical in the second half. Put all that in a bowl, shake it up, and, and where we at almost at the midpoint of the season from your perspective on uh, the developments of the offense, the coaches, and how they're teaching the fundamentals and techniques and how it's relating to performance in the end for, for both sides of the ball. You know, the fundamental and technique is a continuous uh, process that goes the, every single day in practice that re- they reconfirm the, what they're trying to teach these players to go out and just play naturally. To me, the thing that was one of the most encouraging things in the game is you can watch the emergence of the relationship between Luke Getze and what Justin Fields does well. If you go and you just look at the third and the fourth play of the game where the first two passes they threw back-to-back, and Justin didn't have to stand in the pocket because he was moving around. And then you look at the path that the defenders had to take. The play three, he moved over to his right. Instead of linebackers and DBs rushing, they had to move laterally. Play four, when he rolled out to his left to hit EQ St. Brown, there was no rushers in his face. So the importance of the fast start, the importance of the first 15, I think the Bears, the coaches, everybody put it on display, what they can be early in games. Getsy was asked this week, what was most satisfying about the win over the Patriots? It was more about the way the way that we did it, more than necessarily you know, getting 33 points or whatever. Um, I thought, you know, it was probably our most physical game that these guys, our guys played. Um, you know, we had guys get go down kind of in and out of the game, and so other guys had to step in in a bunch of different reps, and there was no blink, and uh, the guys were prepared to play. Uh, so I thought that was really the, a really cool part about that whole day was the, the play style, the physicality of it, and then when you needed guys to step in and play, they were ready to rock and roll. And that physicality did show up on tape. I mean, there were some really powerful hits in that game, including special teams and near the the end of the game Sterling Weatherford uh you run for uh, another 200 and plus yards you know that's uh, that's a mentality a physical approach to that uh the plays by the safeties the plays by Roquan Smith the guys up front tipping passes I mean you had everything going on from a physical point of view you, you left right. a, you left a statement you left a statement in right. that game you know to me everybody when they talk about the physical portion of the game they usually reserve that for the offensive line the tight ends for the defensive line for the linebackers Jeff, when you have the physical style of running that Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and Ebner, how they all run with the ball in their hands, how they bounce off the initial hit, how they get three extra yards after the first collision. When you talk about the physicalness of a football team and you could include the running back, man, that does a lot for your reputation going forward because there's four guys in the back of the defense they don't want to tackle Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert one-on-one. They want that to be a group effort. Ah, you got to throw in blasting games. Uh, yeah. Style. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you got to throw in uh, Equiminius St. Brown blocking. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's fun to watch. You know, we love the running game. So I, I, blasting, game, blasting game, Jeff, you put a 60 number on him. You put an 80 number on him. You have keep his 30 number. He's always going to bring an element of physicality to this team. All right, so for Getsy, what's the next challenge for the offense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just staying within who we are, what we do. Guys have a lot of reps and believe in things conceptually, and we got to keep continuing to maneuver that through. That's what this league is. I think it's 
uh, teams that that do too much it's, it's hard to be good at it and guys like you know teams that are really really good they usually do what they do pretty well and then just make it look a little different to the defense or defense makes it look look a little, little different to the offense so kind of the same thing and that's you know that's the challenge of every coach across the league is to find ways to, to do what your guys do well without letting it be so obvious or predictable I, I like that idea of lower volume Tom in terms of plays Me too I mean I, that's music to our ears everything on the offensive side of the ball is repetitiously perfected and that's exactly what Luke said at the beginning of that statement. This is a team that needs reps. They need reps on the practice field that carry over to the game field. All right, so now the Dallas Cowboys. A lot to break down here. Let's start doing it offensively. Uh, not unlike the Bears, they have two running backs and Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm not sure what his status will be. Uh, but also Tony Pollard, outstanding with his hands as well as his legs. Uh, a running game behind a solid offensive line. The Bears and Cowboys, the only two teams in the league with two backs, Tom, with over 400 yards from scrimmage. Oh, and by the way, Justin Fields is almost there as well, running the football at almost 400 yards from scrimmage. So it's a unique uh, couple of backfields here, dual backs. Uh, but they, they want similar things. I mean, they're going to try to control the clock. They use that running game to their advantage to set up the passing game. And then, of course, got to talk about the defense. And that's where I'm going to bring in Cole Komet, the Bears' tight end. Uh, number 11, Micah Parsons. You got to find him, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's going to be all 11. I think, you know, between receivers who, if they got chip help, tight ends, if they got chip help, backs and protection, know, know where he's at at all times, you know. So uh, I think we got a good plan coming up, but uh, at the end of the, you know, he's a special player and, you know, he's going to get his shots, but we got we to gotta handle him for sure. On the injury report with a shoulder that flared up later in the week, but uh, number 11 pops up on tape uh, repeatedly. He's got eight sacks and he's got confidence that he can outrun just about everybody, including Justin Fields. Don't let him outrun you. You got to attack him, Jeff. The worst thing that you can do to the best player on the field is give him an opportunity to chase unblocked because he will make plays all over the field, up and down in the width of the field. But again, you continuously take Cole Komet, take Griffin, take every one of the offensive tackles, and you and blasting game for that matter, and you run the ball repeatedly at Micah Parsons, he's going to have to get on the defensive before you allow him to make those tackles. Uh, they got other guys, too. Uh, Lawrence is outstanding, and so is Dorrance Armstrong. Very, very good player. Uh, he had a couple blocks, field goals, and uh, he's showing up on tape as well. It's going to be a big test. They do not allow a lot of points. They are number one in many categories, even the nuanced ones that uh, reflect a, a defense that's playing some very good football for Dan Quinn. We'll break that down and more on Dak Prescott and the boys as uh, we get ready to go down to Dallas uh, tomorrow afternoon and then play at a good old-fashioned noon start against the Cowboys. We'll have the coverage at 9 a.m. on WBBM with the kickoff at noon. Coming up next, Kyler Gordon joins us here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Jonagak. Pleased to be joined by rookie corner Kyler Gordon about the midpoint of a season. Thanks for taking the time. I know uh, things are busy and there's a lot going on, obviously. Uh, getting ready on a short week, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. How are you feeling, first of all, at this uh, point? Feeling good, just uh, getting our recovery, uh, getting my recovery, and uh, just getting ready uh, to get strapped up for the next weekend. Yeah, you're getting used to these short weeks. You didn't really do that in the college game too much. Yeah, not at all. Uh, yeah, the first one, I kind of recognized how it was going to be, but uh, now I'm ready. And I uh, came up with a good plan and routine just to get my myself, my body, my mind right. Hey, Kyler, I wish I would have known this the other day, but 
I went to Notre Dame. Did oh, yeah. you really, as a cornerback, <laughs> as a top athlete, did you really consider going to Notre Dame? 100%. I was, like, super close to going to Notre Dame. Uh, I was in love with it. My parents were in love with it. Um, I was just like, I, I'm telling you, it was very close, very close. You, you know, you, you think from that time, that decision you made to go to Washington, and then you think of what you went through last year. Does last year at this time, you're getting ready to play a college game. Does last year at this time seem a long time ago? Yes and no, no and yes. Like, I, I honestly feels like I was just in college playing at a, at a college night. Um so honestly, it doesn't seem like that long ago. Uh, yeah, it seems recent, honestly. You you know, when you take everything into consideration, you talk about your individual improvement as a player. You talk about the talent that you're facing and you're succeeding against. You think about the big stage of Monday Night Football. Is is all that hard to take in that so much has happened in such a short period of time? Because you finish your college season, you get ready for the combine, and now you're on center stage. You're starting in one of the most high-profile positions in the NFL. Yeah. Um, honestly, going through all that uh, short amount of time and stuff like that, honestly just trying to find the best ways and uh, using my resources to find the best way for me to properly uh, prepare myself uh, for that position and uh, being on that stage and being able to execute. And, um, yeah, I just really just find, like I said, like the best ways I can get myself going and knowing how I can prepare myself and, uh, you know, just being detailed and intentional with how I want to go and set up things for myself so I can uh, perform how I know I can. Kyler Gordon, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak with you. The, the trick of this is, is that you're doing something that's really difficult. Uh, you're playing inside nickel. We, we talk about it a lot. It gets a lot of praise, and, and for good reason. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we met Buster Screen, he was a veteran here a few years ago, uh, s- smaller body type, and really was a rugged player and just learned. He really taught me a lot about what goes into nickel, and I didn't really realize it. And now, I mean, it's a starting job. Let, let's just call it what it is. But you're also learning outside. you got special teams meeting coming up here soon. I mean, there's a lot on the plate, but they wouldn't give you all that if they didn't think you could handle it. Correct. Yeah, so is that a compliment that you take ser- seriously? Yeah, most definitely. Um, you know, them knowing and believing in me uh, – that I can handle this job and how much they're going to throw on my plate and knowing that I'm going to keep asking for more and keep wanting to improve and uh, giving them my 100%. Um, you know, they believe in me and I believe in them. So, you know, it goes hand-in-hand hand and I'm going to give them uh, my 100% and, uh, and go all out at it. And I know I can and uh, I know my uh, I hold myself to high standard and I know what I can do and, uh, yeah, 100%. You know, you learn a lot about business right away, don't you? I mean, I, when I first started in radio, long time ago, I had an internship at a station and I was showing up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I showed up middle of my internship, and everybody was crying, and people were getting their resumes. And what happened? Well, they changed yeah. formats of the radio station, and I like, wow, that that just happened, right? And then the next day, everybody's gone. You know, you, you have one of your captains get traded to the Philadelphia Eagles this week, and Robert Quinn. A lot of respect for him in the locker room. How do you process that as a first time NFL player, rookie, halfway through a season? Yeah, honestly, I've never. I haven't got a, a lot of experiences where I've got to see that. So uh, just kind of seeing the way the NFL works and uh, how the business are. But, um, you know, having a leader like him, being able to take, uh, you know, the things, uh, whatever we can take from him as, as a rookie and uh, the other guys, you know, we talk about, the, you know, the small things that we see, uh, you know, coming from a veteran and how they, you know, they go about this game and how, uh, you know, what prepares them and what gets them in the mode or, you know, uh, 
different things that both benefit them and help them play better uh, during game time. So uh, just all those little things, you know, thankful what I got to see and stuff like that and uh, the type of leader he was, yeah. You know, Kyler, through my experience as a player, I know what it's like to play a full NFL season, but just backtracking a little bit. In 2020, you play 134 snaps. 2021, you play 797 snaps. Did that seem like a big increase to you at the time? Because I just take in consideration the length of an NFL season, not asking you about that, but just back in your experience about that huge amount of reps that you took on in 2021. No, I wouldn't say it seemed like a lot. Um, I mean, I'm glad it was a lot. Honestly, I was, I was disappointed that the, the, the 2020 season was short. Um, but when I got, finally got that full season, um, it didn't feel like a lot. No, I was really just looking forward to every week, honestly. I was looking up your combine numbers, and it said you did 20 reps with 225. Yeah, Dude, that's, that's good. Um, so is that something like you worked for just training for that amount of reps or, or and do you think you could do it today? Yeah, hundred percent. That was, that was my goal was to get over 20, um, something way over 20. Uh, I think I put it at like 25, but ended up only getting 20, but yeah, that was definitely something I worked, uh, worked towards uh, a lot during my combine process and, uh, you know, working on my form in different ways to uh, just increase my strength and, uh, a lot of those different things, uh, with different, uh, things are going on in the testing for my, my combine uh, that I was working on, but yeah. Oh, that's one thing that stands out. That's a heck of a job too, because I know how much work goes into being able to gain that amount of reps and just the stamina to be able to do it. So good job, man. That just tells me a lot about your weight room. Ask him how many he did. <laughs> hey, what'd you get? I mean, I was heavy. I, I did 41, but oh. I was heavy. So, <laughs> wow. um, yeah, but you know it's it's, it's off the defensive lineman. It's you know you when you're a guy that's 285 pounds going in there, yeah. it's you should be you should do that many. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. That's Tom Fair. I can't feel you. I could maybe do one <laughs> if I was lucky on a good day. <laughs> uh, Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Kyler Gordon, our guest. Uh, what a tremendous uh, response by the defense Monday night. The play of the entire team, the most complete game of the year so far. Every phase contributed, and uh, almost every single player contributed. Uh, how do you feel about it, looking back? Um, I feel really good about what uh, what we put on tape, and just knowing that that's something we can do uh, game in and game out, uh, and just you know keep holding that standard. Uh, all the guys uh, holding each other accountable, just to go out there and do our job and execute. And I know that's something we can can do uh, repeatedly. And the interception, you got one. Yeah, you know Brian Erlacher every time and uh, somebody got a pick, we got one. He scream yeah. it out. And that was the thing. We got one. So you got one. <laughs> yeah, we got one. You got. We got one. Yeah. We got one here. And I know you wanted to score, but uh, Tyquan <laughs> Thornton a little bit. He's got some wheels on him. Yeah, he caught you from behind. Alan Williams was talking about it this week. That's the only the finish, right? So yeah. you're gonna be thinking about that. Yeah, nah. Feel ghost came out of nowhere. Get on your back. I knew immediately because my legs are a little dead from the no huddle. But I, I knew I was like, oh, I got the four two dude on my back. Got to run. Yeah, but you know, getting the first though is that's that's the one now, right? Yeah. That everybody's got to get that off their back a 100%. little bit. So, uh, do you feel you're going to uh, take advantage of every opportunity and uh, you know bouncing balls? The guys are tipping balls on the line of scrimmage. Yeah. This team rallies to the ball, so the ball is going to be there for the taking. Is that pretty much the message from above? Yeah, hundred percent. Being able uh, all those throws over the middle, you know, always got to be ready for those the tips and overthrows. Um, like we say, we got to get those, and uh, you're just ready for everything that comes to us. 
Already equaled last year's interception total, Tommy, eight a year ago, and you guys have done it in just seven games, so more to come. More to come as well with Kyler Gordon, our guest here on Bears All Access. Let's take a break. We'll have another segment with the young cornerback after this on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with Kyler Gordon, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Tommy? Right before the commercial, Kyler, Jeff was talking about your interception. And so you got to be honest with us. we got a big audience out here. Mm-hmm. The adhesiveness of the gloves today, does it, does it allow you to think about making harder catches because that was a great, you know, job of tipping that, getting control, and then taking it in the good direction. But when you think about the ball flying through the air, and you think about what the ball, what the gloves could do, does it challenge you to make harder catches? Um, personally, I would say, honestly, I don't think about you know the gloves and what they can do. I just think about my own ability and what's the best way for me to catch this ball. Um, I would definitely say that the gloves do have a little bit of a stick to them that you feel more comfortable making a, a harder catch, yeah. Um, but really just putting yourself or myself in the best position to make that catch, whether it has to be with one hand, two hands, or any, any way I can tip it to myself, there definitely is a little bit of a stick to it. So now when you, you in the modern preparation of NFL football, you have so many tools of improvement from the jugs machine to practice to the video and everything you have a chance to, to watch. When you're studying an opponent, all right, say you, you open up the season and you got receivers like Debo Samuel and stuff, and then you get ready to play a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers in week two. Where do, where does your vision go while, while you're studying your opponent? Um, does it go quarterback to route, or does it go exclusively route of the receiver? For me, so far, it's really been offense, offense to the receiver to quarterback. Really trying to figure out, you know, what you know, what does the offense coordinator try to do? Because everybody, everybody got to do uh, the whole team. The offense has to do whatever the off- offensive coordinator is trying to get him to do. So really trying to figure out his concept, what he like, his philosophy, all that. Um, then stemming down the receivers, you know, who I'm guarding, uh, who's going to be in that position to make those certain plays, and then then going back to the quarterback and be like, okay, well, this is these are his targets, what he likes to do. So um, really trickling from there, from the offense coordinator to the receivers, the quarterback is uh, what I've been doing so far. You know, when you play a slot, you play corner, you play slot. A slot, you're going to tackle running backs. You're going to tackle tight ends. You're going to tackle wide receivers, a little bit of everything. So two weeks ago, you make a big tackle against the tight end. You stop them on uh, second down, and then that you guys get off the field on third down. When you're tackling a bigger guy that you know may be a little slower than you, do you have more confidence because you could probably get in a more – in a in a better tackling position at a better tackling position when you're tackling a bigger guy. I'm not as worried about the cutback or him juking. You know, I know I can get there with speed and uh, just shoot at the outside leg or wherever I'm aiming at. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm not really worried about um, you know their change of direction or what, what's going to get me. I know I can fly and uh, just long stride through their through the quad and just wrap up. All right, one of those guys. Well, you're going to have a lot of guys with Dallas this week, obviously. Uh, C.D. Lamb is working a lot out of the slot, but he winds up all over the place. But uh, a guy with a great deal of confidence. So what's your scouting report on uh, number 88? We got, our, we got our whole little deal. Can't give it all away, but we got our whole little deal <laughs> for, for, their, their def- or for their offense. And uh, uh, we, got our, we got our stuff planned from, uh, you know, he's a good player, good athlete, and uh, yeah, we, got, we got our little game plan. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the, the running backs in this game is fantastic. The only two teams in the league with – 
two backs, each with over 400 yards from scrimmage. And then, oh, by the way, we got a QB1 that's approaching 400 yards from scrimmage just with his legs. So it's really a battle with running backs here, Ezekiel Elliott and also Tony Pollard, who's an outstanding receiver as well. Um, how do you feel about their running games? Yeah, just uh, recognizing, you know, who does what, you know, what they're good at. Um, you know, they're two different type of backs, so you know what they're – what they like to do, what the offense, how the offense likes to use them, and um, yeah, just the best way for us to go up and approach that. All right, last two questions because we got to let you go. You got to head to a meeting. Uh, uh, Dak Prescott, thoughts on Dak as the starting quarterback? Um, yeah, I mean he's going to be out here. Um, you know, we got our own little scouting report, so you know I'm still going through my studies of going through uh, what he does and how he is and. Uh, what he likes, and, uh, you know, we're going to have a game plan for him. Great Northwest is for where you're from, and now you're in the great Midwest. Do you sense the difference in uh, not only geography but the people? Oh, uh, yeah. No, most definitely. Yeah, there's a there's a difference for sure. What do you feel? How do you feel? Um, Over here, I, I, it feels pretty uh, welcoming, I guess I would say. it's a, There's a lot of nice people out here. It's, it's easy to talk to people. Everyone's pretty cool. You know, I do get a little sense of a— uh, you know, uh, feel of Washington as far as like the nature out here in the in the north part of Chicago, uh, and I, I like it a lot. Make me feel a little bit at home. Um, yeah, that's all. That's the comparison. Just no ocean. You got the big lake. Yeah, the big. Tom, like Tom takes his paddleboard out there on Lake Michigan. So if you like doing that, hook <laughs> yeah, him up. All yes, right, sir. Tommy, we got to let him go. He's got to go yes. to a meeting. Appreciate thank all you, the time, and uh, good luck on Sunday in Dallas. Yes, sir, thank you. Kyler Gordon, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We'll take a break. We'll be joined by the voice of the Dallas Cowboys, Brad Sham, after this break on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Calling all Bears fans. Get the ultimate VIP fan package with Chicago Bears VIP. Secure a game ticket and appearance from Bears legends and more by visiting chicagobearsvip.com. Jeff Joniak. Tom Thayer will be along in a while as we break down Bears-Cowboys Sunday, 9 a.m. Our pregame coverage on WBBM, the kickoff at noon. Speaking of legends, I'm sitting with one via Zoom with my good friend, the legendary Brad Sham, longtime voice of the Dallas Cowboys, I believe since 1976. And he's seen a lot, he's done a lot, and he's at the top of his game here in 2022 with a very good football team you got here. It's fun to watch. First of all, drop that legend stuff. Secondly, <laughs> tell tell, uh, tell Thayer that uh, I'm taking it personally. That he, <laughs> he decided to snub us on this segment. Right, right. Uh, you know they're they're um, they're fun to watch, and they're still a work in progress. I don't know what they'll be. I mean, I don't. I feel kind of silly talking to you about works in progress, but uh, um, defensively, they were so vastly improved last year, which they would almost have to be because they were historically bad in, in the COVID year in 2020. And so uh, they've taken another step and uh, they've seemed to have drafted well the last couple of years. And uh, the coaches, particularly Dan Quinn on defense have done a great job of figuring out how to use guys. And I, I think that they're not where they're going to be. And offensively, they're definitely not where they're going to be. And um, it's a little different for this team to have um, a completely defensive identity and have the offense be viewed as a huge question mark. Uh, but that's where we are. It's better than it was when the, the offense I'm talking about. It's better than it was when the season started. That was to be expected. And uh, I don't believe it's as good as it's going to be by the end of the season. Uh, if it'll be good enough, we'll find out. And let's take a look at you guys a little more in depth. Um, obviously, the defense with a lot of names of note. Micah Parsons, first and foremost. Um, I hear start hearing LT comparisons. Uh, lines up every, you know, is that fair? Uh, 
Well, I mean, he's not there yet, but <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean, he's he's uh, awful good. He's awful good, but but he was awful good uh, at Penn State. He just didn't. He wasn't there very long. Yeah, and, and um, you started hearing that last year. Um, he he's a little different kind of player than LT, and Dan Quinn has been very good for him, uh, being being willing to use him in ways that they didn't calculate. He's been very good about taking coaching and expanding his role, and he sees now what's possible. I, I don't know who the – you hesitate to say Lawrence Taylor. It, sure. By the way, this is another example. A lot of people, you say LT, people think you're talking about LaDainian Tomlin. Right, right. <laughs> you're comparing him to a running back. I know. No, the right. original LT was Lawrence Taylor, and as Quinn pointed out last year, Quinn grew up in New Jersey, a big Giants fan. The LT teams were the ones that he watched, and he pointed out correctly that you know, you always knew where Lawrence Taylor was. He was the right outside linebacker in a 3-4. Now, it didn't mean you could stop him, but you knew where he was. And the beauty of the what they're doing with Parsons is that you don't know where yeah. he is until it's too late. He's got insane speed for his size, but he also has some things that you can't teach, instincts. He made two plays last week, um, which we've seen him make before, where he basically started to rush. He began his rush on screens and realized three steps into an all-out rush that the play was behind him, and he stopped and turned around, recognized it, and ran it down. And one of them probably uh, saved the game. So he, he's an unusual he's an unusual player. Uh, now let's flip it to Dak. Dak Prescott, healthy, got the rust off last week. What's the status of Ezekiel, and how would that impact things? Well, first, I mean, are you sure that Dak got all the rust off last week? I mean, he really, <laughs> if you think about it, I mean, he was pretty average. And the only game he played in this year was about three-quarters of the opener, and he was pretty bad in that game. And he didn't play in the preseason. So you got to go back to the end of last year. I don't know that the rust is knocked off, and his receiving core is not what it was last year. So he's going to be better this week than he was last week, but I think it'll be a few weeks before we see the rust completely off. Um, my, if I had to guess, if you, if you put a gun to my head, I'd be surprised if Elliott played in this game, only because they've got a bye next week, mm -hmm. and so and they have a pretty good backup in Tony Pollard, and they've got a kid from Florida, a practice squad running back who a lot of us uh, thought was going to make the team, Malik Davis. And he's, I think he's pretty good. So now Elliot is a warrior. He will not come out. He probably needed to be not playing last year when he had a torn PCL, hmm. which is not Pacific Coast League. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't come out. And so it cost him, that injury cost him a lot of explosiveness. He's still as good a blocking running back as there might be in the league. And he's extremely smart. Um, but he also might be smart enough to uh, realize that this is only the we're not yet at the halfway point of the season. So they they won't practice today. They have a recovery program they do on Friday. He hasn't practiced the last two days. If I had to guess, I would guess they would tell us that after the Saturday practice that uh, he's not going to play. I would expect that he'll be ruled uh, listed as doubtful today. That's a guess. And uh, and then he then he's essentially got three weeks 
to rehabilitate the injury till after the bye. So, you know, we'll see. Their receivers are getting a little better. I think they've got some tight end depth, although the number one tight end is also limping around on a torn PCL, Dalton Schultz. But uh, they've got two Big Ten tight ends, rookies, Ferguson from from uh, Wisconsin and Hendershot from Indiana, and I think those are going to be good players down the road. So the, the, the key is, I think, for them that they, um, they have to be able to run the ball, and uh, I, I think they need to get out in front. I, I'm, you know, who didn't watch the game Monday night and not come away impressed? And you can almost see Fields, I think, growing from week to week. And I think he's an underrated passer. And I'm not sure the team is built to come from two touchdowns behind the Bears. So I think for, for Dallas, a fast start is really important. And to do that, they might have to open it up a little bit more than they have been. So that's the chess game. That's what's fun about watching the games. Uh, you touched on the offense and fields. Uh, how about defensively? Anything stick out that uh, gets your attention that maybe uh, – I mean, they, they shut people down in the second half. The adjustments have been working. They don't give up much. I think they drafted well. You know, I understand 58's not happy with his contract, but he'd look good in a lot of uniforms. He's a really good football player. And uh, the two defensive backs they drafted – uh, this year, I think they're really, really good players. And so I think that they are just, they're young and growing. But but I know Matt Eberflus. I don't know him intimately, but I was around him long enough to know. In fact, Prescott said yesterday when he puts the tape up of the Bears, he can see the influence of how Eberflus, and they might have only been together for a year, uh, but you can see the influence of how Flus wants his players to play aggressive around the ball all the time. Uh, it's a style that's that's very evident when it's being done right. And sometimes the whole can be greater than the sum of the parts. I, I think that's a little bit true of what's going on in Dallas. And I certainly think that that is true of almost any Eberflus defense when they're playing it the way he wants. So you've got to have, you've got to have great individual players, a few of them, but, and he's got he's got some, but he's also a really good coach. And I think as a team, they're starting to play well. And and they're not good, they're going to be a nightmare for everybody they play. And the teams that are the teams that are going to be able to breathe a little easier in the fourth quarter is are the teams that are able to make the Bears play offensively differently than they want to play. But but that game Monday night will go a long way. They now know they can do it. And I know New England's not what they were a few years ago and all the rest of that. But I know the Cowboys went to New England last year. They had never won in that stadium. And they needed a play at the end. It was right about mid-year, and Prescott wound up getting hurt on the winning play. Hmm. And we're not sure how much it affected him the rest of the year, calf injury. But he, they won on a touchdown pass at the end of the game, and it was a notable celebration. And it said to them, we can do that. We can go on the road. We can go to New England. And, and we can beat the Patriots. Now the Bears have done that. And as long as Belichick is there, yeah, then that's going to be – Tough place to that's play. That's going to be a thing. Right. That's going to be a thing. And that's going to stand the Bears in good stead for a while. All right. Lastly, we'll let you go. Appreciate the time as always. Uh, you, your team has been built through the draft. You, there are 39 players homegrown, plus some undrafted free agents added to the mix. The Bears are, are 
embarking on that same journey. That's the plan. It's going to take some time, obviously, to do that. Um, the positives of that in the era of free agency, to me, that's the way to do it, is to build through the draft. Is there enough patience for that? Most of your listeners may not know that I'm a Chicagoan. I've been a Bears fan since I listened to the championship game win over the Giants on the radio in my grandmother's kitchen. <laughs> I mean, I go back to I go back to Bill Wade and Larry Morris and Johnny Morris and Bill George, so I've got a little sense of Bears history. Bears fans and I believe Cowboys fans have in common a noted impatience. The key, and and what you just said, in my opinion, is 100% right. It's the way to go. You need to spend some money, and then when you do it, you have to be smart. Because those contracts come up in three years. You know, this is year two for Micah Parsons. I think it's year three for C.D. Lamb. They're going to have to pay those guys, just like they had to pay Prescott. You know, if Justin Fields turns into what the Bears hope he is, they're going to have to pay him. And that's what's going on with Roquan Smith right now. So patience is a difficult thing to come by. In the Twitter age, fans don't want to hear it. That like Cowboy fans, I, can hear, I saw on Twitter this morning, Eagles are talking to the Saints, they're trying to get Alvin Kamara. This place will go nuts <laughs> if the Eagles get Alvin Kamara because the Cowboys aren't spending that money. They're not. You look at the Rams. Right. They went short-term, big money. Three years from now, the Rams may be standing on a street corner jiggling a, a cup for a contribution <laughs> of, a, of a quarter, but they, nobody cares about that right now is what they see. I really believe, and I'm just talking about the bears. Now I, I know Matt Eberflus. I look at the young players. The bears have, I see the way they drafted. They weren't going to win a super bowl with Robert Quinn, but that fourth round pick might turn out to be an outstanding player. And Bears fans are tired of hearing, be patient. I get it. But listen to Jeff Joniak. (laughs) Telling you the truth, it's really the only way that makes sense. You have to throw in some stuff. If they they move and they get the stadium, something splashy will happen because the front office will understand that you have to do something besides just put a building up. But you have to be smart about how you do it. I believe the Bears are on the track of doing it the smart, right way. They've got, they need offensive linemen. But look at Fields. Look at his competitiveness. Look at his physical ability. I see a guy who can win if he has the pieces around him. But you don't just – this is coming from a diehard Cup fan. <laughs> as Jeff knows. You don't just wave a – as Bill Parcells used to say, you cannot go down to the Texaco – and dial up 1-800-DEFENSIVE. It just doesn't happen. Be patient because good things are going to come. Brad, great stuff as always. I could talk to you for hours. We'll see you Sunday. Me too. too. See you Sunday. Take care. Brad Cham, voice of the Dallas Cowboys, back with Tom Thayer in a final segment after this on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Great seats available to see your Chicago Bears this season at Soldier Field. Get your tickets at chicagobears.com slash tickets. And this segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People who get it with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Overall, Alan Williams on how to deal with a, a, a player like Dak Prescott 
who's had a couple of 4,000-yard passing seasons, nearly a 5,000-yard passing season a couple years ago. And it's still not about Dak Prescott. It's still about how we execute our defense, how we run, how we hit, how we hustle, the intensity of of how we get to the football, taking the football away. You know, whether it's Dak or anyone else, we try to look at it as a nameless, faceless opponent, and it's about uh, the Chicago Bears defense and playing complimentary football. And which they did very well against New England. Tom, that was the first time Prescott had played, by the way, in 42 days. Uh, did he look rusty to you on tape, or is he uh, just the knowledge of the system and his work there with uh, Kellen Moore makes it an easy transition to get the uh, rust off. You know, timing is so specific to a quarterback, especially in the passing game. Yeah, he did look a little rusty, but he's got a little different, uh, you know, he can target so many different people. And I think as you described the formations during the Dallas game, it's going to be interesting for the description of the position of the wide receivers. Because when you think of Jalen Johnson, you think of Kendall Vildor, you think of um, Kyler Gordon. Where those receivers line up is going to play an important role in how they play defense. And Dalton Schultz, a player to watch as well, caught all five of his targets against Detroit. Uh, and then third-string rookie Peyton Hendershot caught a touchdown pass in the game as well. Uh, but the impressive part of this whole thing to Matt Eberflus is the running game. They really do a good job protecting the quarterback. You know, they do a nice job with their protections. They, they've limited the number of sacks they've had. Um, but they really rely on their running game. They they do a nice job with the two headed uh you know two headed guys there with with Pollard and Ezekiel and again they do a really good job of their receivers blocking on the perimeter so it's going to be a tough task for us. What do you think of that offensive line? There's a domer on there, uh, well decorated one at right guard number seventy Zach Martin. Yeah, uh, you know they have a good solid offensive line. They still are missing a, a couple of key pieces that really could turn that offensive line into the next level. How the Bears are able to use the mobility of a guy like Justin Fields, Dallas can do the same thing. And I'm sure week two of his, his comeback from the thumb surgery, I don't ever expect that he'll be in less condition because he's an he's a athlete that works hard. So the Bears' defensive front is going to have to be able to slow down the pat rushing game as well has rushed the passer at the same time. Robert Quinn traded to Philadelphia this week. Uh, reverberations in the locker room. A lot of respect for him uh, from the young guys, including Dominique Robinson. But now an opportunity for him and Travis Gibson and some others. It's a big opportunity. It's been like this since since college almost. It's the next man up. So you never know when your opportunity is going to come. We got some shoes to fill. But I think that the higher-ups, they felt comfortable with us, you know, taking over. So... We got to put on now. Yeah, the higher ups being Ryan Poles and the coaching staff. Robinson uh, again didn't let that go unnoticed. Yeah, I mean it's a confidence booster. My confidence been building ever since I got here, though. So, you know, I came in rookie during the rookie stuff, kind of a little nervous. But once I seen that I could play and play with some of these guys, I was like, okay. And then as the weeks keep going on, our confidence continues to build. So he's gonna keep trying to stack and you know do what I do best. He's raw and untapped, man. He's got so much potential. Well, it's like Luke Essie talking about the offense that you need reps. This is a young man that needs a lot of reps. He needs to be able to visualize the difference between run and pass. He needs to understand the balance of the stances of the guys he's playing against. He's got to be able to read the down and distance, what hash mark they're starting on. There's so much pre-snap information that has to run through your head. All those parts of learning football are equally as equally as important is any time he comes out of his stance. So how do you defend this uh, this team? 
because they do have a, a lot of weapons and they have a, a veteran quarterback, uh, but they haven't put up a lot of points. Even with Cooper Rush doing so well, and they won five uh, games uh, overall this season, they, 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 the numbers offensively are not staggering. It's the defense that has set the table for them. You got you to keep Dak inside the pocket, Jeff. You got to try to close and condense the area to make him really uncomfortable. Be careful of his follow-through motion so it doesn't hit the helmet of, of one of his offensive linemen. So if you can keep him inside that pocket, ask him to throw the ball a little bit earlier, then you're talking about playing into the hands of the defensive players. And he's the type of guy that wants to sit back, locate, target, and then throw. Yeah, 14-14 uh, to 14 on passes of 10 or fewer air yards in his return. And also on play action, 11 of 12, 121 yards and a touchdown. There goes the running game, setting it up for you. Exactly. And again, it's it's almost a mirror image of each other because those are probably stats that you could read about uh, Justin. The running game is going to help you with your passing game. And it's the same thing in Dallas. However, I, I just think when you're coming off of that thumb injury and you want to close that pocket down and you want to put make sure that Dak is throwing with bodies around him, maybe you change his, his arm level, his arm angle, the release of the football a little bit more to help you defensively. All right, let, let's go back to how to attack that defense. And now with more design runs that uh, were unveiled in New England for quarterback Justin Fields, you know, what that means for Micah Parsons, what that means for Dallas. I was watching the, the Thursday night game and how uh, Baltimore used Lamar Jackson. And, of course, you know, Justin admitted that they, they – they stole a few plays from from Baltimore using the same kind of uh, philosophies that the Ravens do. Uh, boy, they 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 really tired out the defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, and then just hammered them. You know that, that was the the plan the whole game. And and you know, can the Bears do something like that? They have the same elements. Taking plays from Baltimore means Baltimore took plays from somebody else and somebody else and so on down the line. Again, from my own experience as a player, when I go and watch the development of a guy like John Elway. That's the same thing they did with John Elway. They had quarterback sweeps. They had quarterback rollouts. They had a quarterback that was moving all over the field to tire out one of the best defenses I saw in the history of the NFL, and that was the Bears defense. So I think whether you're talking about Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields, every one of these guys have the leg power, the arm talent, the, the mental part of the football game to really use their versatility as a threatening asset to guys like Micah Parsons. Interesting. Luke Getze, uh, you know, was asked about these design runs and a new new page in the playbook, so to speak, but he said it wasn't as different as people think. I mean, we've been doing it all year. I think what, the, what we do with our entire offense is we try to get, you know, get the premier play against the defense, and so, you know, they presented some cool opportunities for us that we were able to kind of get better angles and stuff with the quarterback run this, this past week, so we wanted to make sure we took advantage of it. It didn't hurt that we had an extra day as far as, like, necessarily creating a new offense, and then, no, we didn't do anything differently that from that perspective, and we went about it. Uh, the way we kind of always do in, in our game plan part of it and what you know what gives us the best opportunity what gives all 11 guys the best opportunity to succeed and now from Matt Eberflus on the Bears coaches show Monday night on WBBM uh, will this be the norm with fields how much we use those I don't know you know we use we'll use some of them we'll, we'll sprinkle them in there again it's all based on who we're playing and, and what we're going to do and how we're going to do things for that particular week to win the game uh, but when you have that that commitment by the offensive staff uh, and the, us as Bears in general, that that's something that's important to us. And 
the three guys that can do it, the two runners and the quarterback, uh, that's special for those guys. Well, and as a defensive mind, he knows how tough that is to defend. You, you know, Jeff, it's all about using them when you need them. Because you go over and we sit there every day at training camp and you see him practice all these plays and you go, wow, it's going to be interesting when you see it. And then you never see it. And then all of a sudden an opportunity presents itself to go, hey, let's go back in the archives, what we are doing in training camp. I'm going to show you guys some examples of this play that will work perfectly in the environment or the personnel we're playing against. Then you pull it out and you used it. And so Luke gets he's probably got 500 plays in his back pocket that he could call at any moment. However, you don't, you're not going to call them unless you need them and they fit your game plan. Has uh, it uh, moved you in any way that they are the number one rushing team in the NFL? Oh, it warms my heart. As much as I admire what Chris Morgan has been able to do since he started developing an offensive line that was going to be able to compete against the pass, compete against the run, and be as good as they have been, and then you have immediate changes whether it's Cody getting injured, Lucas Patrick getting injured, not knowing who you're going to start at the offensive tackle position, how Tevin Jenkins is going to fit in. But I really admire how the desire of the running back position matches the intensity of the offensive line because it's got to be a one-two punch. The running backs are not going to do it on their own, and the offensive line is not going to be able to have this type of running game if they don't all work together from the start of the week of practice until the final whistle blows. All right, Tom, that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you in Dallas on the radio, buddy. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight and our producers, Dan Barilli, Jordan Treadup, and the folks at The Score. Thanks to Kyler Gordon as well. Appreciate you listening tonight. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. This has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night, everybody.